If you have your Bible, please open it to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Oil and water. Dogs and chocolate. Broccoli and breakfast. Sand and hair. Orange juice and brushing your teeth. The list could go on. There are many, many things that simply don't go together in this life. There are things that are compatible, and there are things that are simply not compatible. And we see this most pointedly in our relationships be it friendship or work relationships or marriage or within a family, we think, are we compatible? And we ask this because we recognize inherently that where there is relational incompatibility, there is often tension and there is upheaval and there is angst. I mean, one of the reasons personality tests and work competency tests and workplace compatibility tests and interviews exist is because of this question. Do we go together? Do we work together well? Are we bacon and eggs or are we orange juice and toothpaste? Do we go together? But what if we are talking about the most significant incompatible relationship since Genesis 3, since near the beginning of time. And that is the incompatibility between God, who is holy, and man, who is unholy. What do we do with the astounding incompatibility between the imperfect and the perfect, the unholy and the holy, the unhealthy and the healthy, the sin sick and the well. Who or what is going to reconcile that? What is the solution? Well, if you haven't turned in your Bible already, please turn to Matthew chapter 8. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can find one under a chair near you. You could find this passage on page 757. We're going to be looking at four verses. Yes, it's a small passage. It's small, but it is mighty. We're going to be living in these four verses, Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4 this morning, and you'll be helped to keep your Bible open to this chapter and this passage. All right, please follow along as I read. When he came down from the mountain... Great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is God's word to the church. Thanks be to God. Let's say that together. Thanks be to God. 
Amen. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I ask now that you would send your spirit to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, make our hearts by your spirit soft and porous to your word that it may, that it may dwell richly within us. We ask that we would be not just informed in heart and mind this morning, but that we would be transformed by your word. And I ask, Father, that you would strengthen your weak servant now to proclaim your word faithfully. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, before we work through these four verses, let me invite you to zoom out for a moment and see the bigger picture of the gospel according to Matthew. Because we really are parachuting into a story, to a gospel account, mid-gospel here this morning. Matthew was an apostle, a first-hand eyewitness to the life and ministry of Jesus. And his gospel account from chapter 1 to chapter 28 is all about the glory of God revealed in the Son of God, Christ Jesus, and about how his kingdom of light and love has broken into this kingdom of darkness and unloveliness. And Matthew, the way that Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells the The story of the life of Jesus is like watching a redemptive story in HD 1080p, where scene after scene after scene, we see and watch the life of Christ unfold and how from his birth certificate to his death certificate and resurrection, we see his glory and authority, complete authority as Lord over all. And this miracle... This miracle that we just read takes that high-definition film and throws it into 3D, exposing and overturning our understanding of what is natural and what is supernatural. It overturns our understanding of reality as the glory and goodness of Christ is revealed in full array. And so narrowing down, from this big picture to the, to the passage at hand this morning. If you're taking notes, here's the big idea of Matthew 8, 1 through 4. This is the main point. Jesus is the great physician. Jesus is the great physician. And this text invites us to step into the doctor's office and to watch his work firsthand. It's incredible. And we see this as the text unfolds in three movements. Movement one is the sickness. Movement two is the solution. And movement three is the show and tell. Movement one is the sickness. Movement two, the solution. Movement three, the show and tell. That is our outline this morning. Okay, let's go. Movement one, the sickness. Look with me again at verses one through two. When he came down from the mountain, 
great crowds followed him. And behold, the leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. In order to grasp the magnitude of what's happening in this text, it's important, it's important that we see that it's situated in its immediate context. We need to see how it is situated in this context. This is the first healing of three healings in Matthew chapter 8. In this chapter, we see Jesus heal a Jewish leper, then a centurion's servant, a Gentile centurion's servant, and then third, Peter the apostle, his mother-in-law. And these healings reflect in part the summary of Jesus' ministry of authority and forgiveness and healing put forth back in Matthew 4, verse 23. This is what the text says. And he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so here, just a handful of chapters and verses later, we are reading of Christ's first documented healing in Matthew's gospel. And it's a healing account that actually comes up in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's a healing that comes right after some of Jesus' most important teaching in all the New Testament, which is the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to come back to the mountain and that sermon, which is really just a, a giant hill, and that sermon on the mount a little later. But at the close of the sermon, in chapter 7, verses 28 through 29, we read, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Jesus' teaching astonished the crowds and established his authority as Messiah. And we read here in chapter 8, verse 1, that Jesus came down the mountain. He came down it, and the great crowds were following him. And it's here that we learn an important lesson from the crowds. These people were following Christ. They were hanging on his every word. They were focused on him. And it was it's easy, it was easy in a pre-modern world, and it's easy in a modern world to follow other things, isn't it? To hang on the words of the news, to take our eyes off of Christ and place it on other things. We live in a distracted age. But may we follow Jesus, looking at him, keeping our eyes on him, not growing tired of him. May we pursue with reverence and worship and awe, and may we follow him just as these people do in verse 1. Well, moving into verse 2, we read that in the crowd there is a leper. And he comes to Jesus. And in this, this section, this leper, we see sickness embodied. A sickness that can be traced back into the Old Testament. And so when we read that word, leper, we should immediately be transported back to the Pentateuch to the first five books of the Bible, specifically the book of Leviticus, chapters 13 and 14. We don't have time to read those chapters in their entirety this morning. But in those chapters, we see this sickness, leprosy, is addressed. We see it addressed. And leprosy was really the worst of the worst of diseases of that day. One historian called it walking death. It was a disease that ate away 
at the body from the inside out. It started with the nervous system and it made all of the extremities of a human being numb. And this led to people while they were cooking or while they were doing chores, hurting themselves badly and not even noticing it. It's led to limbs being severed off, things falling apart, the body breaking down. But what we learn from Leviticus was that this sickness led to death and it was incurable. And we also learn from Leviticus and from history is that it was a disease that was not just seen as physical, but it was seen as deeply spiritual. A leper was ceremonially, spiritually unclean in the eyes of the world and the law of the Jewish faith. Lepers were unhealthy, impure, sick, and dirty through and through. They were thought of as the greatest of sinners. And therefore, they had to physically and spiritually stay away from people. They had to live outside. They had to be away from people. This is what we read in Leviticus 13, 46. He, the leper, shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Let's, let's be clear on this. A leper was an outsider. One generally thought of to be too far beyond God's power and presence and people. Lepers were outsiders. Yet, in this text, goes out of its way to say that this man, this leper, came to Jesus like an outsider. Does, once he becomes an insider. Comes to Jesus and kneels before him. And the first word out of his mouth is what? Lord. Let's not move too quickly beyond this. The sick man is acknowledging Jesus as Lord, as Master even before Jesus says a word to him. This profession and boldness, the, the profession and boldness of this sick man is astounding. So what moved this man to profess this and to be so bold? Well, I believe that he had heard the story and read the story from 2 Kings 5, 1 through 14. Do you know the story? It's the healing of Naaman a leper who was healed by God's word through the word spoken through Elisha, a prophet. The leper likely knew this story here in Matthew 8. This leper knew this story. And so he comes to Jesus looking for the better prophet, looking for Messiah, the one who would heal the sick just as God did so for Naaman. It is clear that this leper's profession, from his profession, that he believed that Jesus had complete authority. He saw him as God incarnate, able to cleanse him. And as the sick man read and understood the Old Testament, he was looking for his healer. He was waiting for the Lord to come. And waiting really is the posture of the Christian life, isn't it? We are always waiting for something. We're waiting for the Lord to return. But I don't, I don't want us to, to miss this. The sick man is teaching us something important. 
he's actually teaching us how to read the Old Testament. He's teaching us how to better understand the Old Testament. So maybe sit at his feet for a moment and just learn from him. Church, when we open the pages of the Old Testament, when we look at a passage like 2 Kings, or look at a passage like Leviticus, when we open the pages of the Old Testament, the first thing we should say is, show me Jesus. That's the first thing we should say. As Christians who are reading Genesis to Revelation, I'm going to say that again. When we open the pages of the Old Testament, the first thing we should say is, show me Jesus. For he is the fulfillment of all of Scripture. And as, scripture, as Christians, we believe that he is the theme, the point, the final word of the whole Bible. Every passage proclaims his great name. Jesus is glorious. And the sick man knew that. Returning to the details here of verse 2. It is significant how this leper approaches Christ in word and in posture. He approaches Jesus with boldness and humility, with reverence and neediness. The leper approached Christ with complete dependency, bowing as one who is needy, not with prideful declaration, but with humble expectation. What an incredible thing. Now, you may not be a leper, but I wonder how you approach God. How you approach him in prayer or in the church or in the home or in the workplace. Do you approach him humbly as one who is sick and in need of divine solution? Do you approach him or do you approach him like one who is healed, who has got it all figured out, doesn't really need a physician any longer? Maybe you approach him unsure of his willingness to receive you because of the, the things that you have done. Do you approach him thinking, I don't know if he's going to receive me today because I've messed up over and over and over again. Not just this week, but this day, today. You may be sitting here today thinking, that's great for the leper. It's great what we read here. But I just need to be a bit better. Uh, I need to try a bit harder. I just need to be a bit more mature in a few ways. And then I'll be good enough to go before Jesus. Children. Children who are here in this room. You, you may be sitting here today thinking, I just need to be a better son or daughter. I just need to be a tad more obedient. I've done too many wrong things. I just need to learn a bit more before I go to Jesus and commit to him. Oh, oh! no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you're here today and you think that you need to be just a little bit of a better person for Jesus to accept you, that you just need a little bit, you need to be a little bit better before you go to him with all of your troubles, you are thinking about Jesus the wrong way. You're thinking about him the wrong way. Whether you have been a Christian for a long time, or if you've been a Christian for a short time, or if you're here today and you, you don't know Christ, you're not a Christian. No matter where you've come from or what you have done, if you think this way about Jesus, stop. Stop. 
and read and heed the words from Matthew chapter 8. Let's heed the way this leper, this downcast outcast comes to Jesus seeking help and healing. He didn't wait for his leprosy to clear up before going to Jesus. He didn't. No, he went to Jesus with all of his baggage, with all of his filthiness, with all of his dirtiness, with all of his sin and imperfection, saying, Lord, if you will, you. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It's incredible. So if you wait until you're better, until you're free of sin, until your shame and guilt is gone, until you have your anxiety, your anger, your angst, your apathy, your animosity under control, if you wait until you are better, you will likely never go to Jesus. Let us learn from the leper here. Go to Jesus. Run to him no matter who you are, no matter what you have done. It's important that we also see that it's not just the leper who went to Jesus. In all reality, we see in the pages of Matthew, in the pages of all the New Testament, that Jesus actually comes to us. Jesus came to him. Jesus came to this earth for sin-sick sinners. And we read later in Matthew 9 that this is a key part of Jesus' earthly ministry. He always hung out with the sick, with the tax collectors and the sinners. These are the people that Jesus came for. And the glorious leaders of that day didn't like that very much. And so the leaders go to the disciples in Matthew 9 and say, hey, uh, what's going on here? Why does uh, Jesus eat? Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So don't wait. Go to Jesus now. He has come for you. Turn away from your self-sufficiency or the figment of your self-sufficiency and admit in total dependency your need for Jesus. I have good news for you. You've never gone too far. You've never done anything that's, that puts you too far away from Jesus' grace. Nothing. That's good news for us. Well, this leper was sick externally and internally, and though his leprosy was not the result of his sin, this man was a living picture, a walking parable, or a sermon of what it is to be fully consumed by sin and death. So how does one who is consumed by sin and death become clean? Yes, Jesus has come to us and we can go to him, but we need more. We need a great physician and a great solution. And that brings us to movement two, the solution. Look with me there at verse three. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Beloved, behold the power and glory of Christ. 
Behold his heart. This man's sickness was dark, but it made up a dark curtain upon which the light of Christ's great and compassionate healing was illuminated. And here we read that Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. Jesus could have healed him with a thought. Jesus could have like waved his hand like a Jedi for all you Star Wars fans, like be healed. No, Jesus touches the untouchable and he loves the unlovable. Think about that. Jesus is amazing here. This is incredible. My wife and I, over the last couple of years, watched all of the television series, The Crown. I can recommend the majority of it. A handful of things in there that I don't really care for. And there are many emotional moments within the series. But in the last season, there are several episodes about Princess Diana. I don't know if you've seen these. And those episodes highlight the way that she loved the unlovable in profound ways. She loved the sick. And it was powerful and beautiful the way that she met with and touched and dined with people with AIDS. She was known to find the sickest people where she was and hang out with them. Diana's physical actions made an impact on people. Her life was marked by great compassion. But the love and compassion of Jesus is even greater. It's even greater. That's what we see here. His, he displayed mercy and compassion in bigger and greater ways than had ever been seen. For he touched and dined with the worst of the worst. He He dined with far greater sinners, with far greater diseases. We see this across the landscape of the New Testament. And when he does this, like we see in this text, we can't help but see his gentle and lowly and compassionate heart on full display. May we have that same heart. May we have that same heart. The way Christ loved the downcast and the outcast was incredible and even shocking, right? It's shocking here. This, this verse is shocking him, touching this leper. I mean, can you imagine what the devout Jew thought while he watched this or read of this later? Can you imagine? One commentator said that to a Jew, there would be no more amazing sentence in the New Testament than the simple statement, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper. See, to touch a leper is to become unclean. It was to become defiled. That's what it meant. It was to become sick. We see this in Leviticus 5.3. So what's going on here? Did Jesus neglect and put away the Levitical law in this moment? Well, no. Jesus had high regard for the law in the Old Testament. He was a Jew after all. And he knew the Old Testament. But we must remember that he came to fulfill the law. He was over and above it. For the mission of Jesus prioritized the law of love over the jot and tittle of the Old Testament law. And therefore, this touch displayed in physical form his authority and his fulfillment of the law. And it's ultimately a display of the law of love. But Matthew goes on. Jesus doesn't just touch him. He speaks words to the man. After this, the leper said, or Jesus said, to the leper, I will be clean. And the sickness was gone. He was immediately 
Don't you love that word? He was immediately cleansed. This is incredible. Here, Jesus' healing work is met with healing words. And just as light extinguishes darkness, Christ's purity exchanged and extinguished all impurity in this man. For what happens when the impure meets the purity of Christ? What happens? This. This is what happens. There is cleansing. Jesus is the great physician. But we need to see this clearly. This story, this miracle, this living sermon is a display of Christ's glory and power. But connecting this back to verse 1, it is a miracle and a sermon that pointed toward a day when Christ would go up and come down another mountain. Only on that day, Christ wasn't going to go up a mountain to give another sermon on the mount. No. On that day, Christ would go up another mountain called Golgotha. The place where he would die. There he took upon himself the sin and sickness of his people. The sin and sickness that separated God and man. On that mountain, Christ was crucified. He died as a substitute in the place of every leper, every sinner, every sin-sick soul that would turn to him in ongoing repentance and faith. And then Jesus came down that mountain. Only this time, he came down being carried and then was laid in a tomb. And three days later, He rose again in power and glory and it's through his life and his death and his resurrection that we can be made clean. So let's be clear. The leper's biggest problem, our biggest problem is not our sickness or anxiety or addiction or our anger or fear or political upheaval. Our biggest problem is the penalty for sin. That's our biggest problem. And because of that penalty, you and I deserve a place called hell, because the wages of sin is death. But this is why Christ came and died and rose again and will come again. He died to cleanse sin-sick people like you and I. This is why he came. And though we still live with the presence of sin, its power has been broken. And we wait for the day of his return. And on that glorious day, When he does return, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things will have passed away completely. Amen? This is the good news of the gospel, and there is only one response, one response to this good news. It's repentance and faith. It is ongoing repentance and faith, turning away from that sin that leads to physical and spiritual death and turning toward life in Christ daily by grace through faith. And if you do this, then you'll be made clean like that. And you will be with Jesus after this earthly life forevermore in heaven. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the message that we never get over. It's the message that we all need, every, everyone in this room. If you have questions about this, 
at all. I'll be standing in the back after the service. I would love nothing more than to talk to you about Jesus and the cleansing that can come through him. But Christian, make no mistake. This story proves that Christ is more contagious than leprosy. He is bigger and he is greater than any sin or sickness. His mercy is greater and bigger than any sin. He alone holistically reverses the curse of sin and has made lepers like you and I new creations by the word and spirit. Creations that are both new and are being made new day by day. And it's impossible, it's impossible to meet Jesus and not be changed forever. It's impossible. Now I want to briefly address uh, an elephant in this text. These verses are an incredible display of the Lord's goodness and mercy and healing. But what do we do when God doesn't heal? Have you ever thought about that? Not everyone gets a happy ending here on this earth. So what do we do about that? What do we do when our souls are full of troubles? And the suffering seems like it's just too much to bear, either in our personal life or in the life of someone dear to us. Now, these are real questions. They, they impact the day-to-day of our lives. Bad things happen. Sickness happens. Cancer happens. Surgery complications happen. Death happens. What do we do with that? Well, let me encourage you just as Matthew does, just as Matthew encourages us. Whether you are leaving a season of sickness and suffering or you are in a season of sickness and suffering, or you are heading into a season of sickness and suffering. Here is the encouragement from God's word to us this morning from this passage. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. It may, that may seem a little um, trite, That may seem a little too simple, but as Christians, it's all we can do. As Christians, it's all we can do. We're not in control whether or not Jesus heals in this life. And so we must look to him and keep looking at him, knowing that for the Christian, true healing lies on the other side of this life. It's striking that before Christ's death in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, we read that his soul was sorrowful even to death. But then he prays, let this cup pass from me, not as I will, but as you will. Striking, isn't it? May this be our prayer as we look to him day by day, remembering that Christ was a man of sorrows. 
well acquainted with grief, and he walked the path of suffering and death ahead of us so that whether he heals in this life or the next, because of him and his work on the cross, we may, we may be fully healed on the last day. That is a glorious truth. So look to Jesus, our great physician, and by faith, keep looking at him. And let's do that together. Well, thus far, we've, we've looked at the sickness, and we've just now looked at the solution to our sickness, Christ's person and work. And now we turn to movement three, the show and tell. Look with me at verse four. Chapter eight, verse four. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus has just granted this leper full and complete healing. And then he charges the man not to tell anyone. And you may be thinking, what's up with that? Why? Also, wasn't there a crowd around at this event? The crowds that were following him? It seems counterintuitive to Jesus' earthly ministry, doesn't it? We do find out from the gospel according to Mark that this man does, does leave and he starts telling everybody. Um, but why would Jesus... Why would Jesus not want everyone, everywhere, to hear of this healing? Why? Well, quite a bit of ink has been spilt on that, that, that question, on this reality from the text. But here's what I believe is what's going on here. Israel was looking for a political leader, a conqueror, one with power and might. And the question, who is this Jesus, was circulating all around the region. And so Jesus charges this leper to not speak of his healing because Jesus didn't want to be misunderstood early on in his earthly ministry as simply another political leader with a side of magician and wonder worker. For at this point in his ministry, it would have been far too easy already to misunderstand why he healed and what at the end of the day his true mission was. He didn't want his mission to be clouded with sensationalism. And so he charges the man to say nothing publicly, but to go to the priest, go to the synagogue, go to the church, so that his cleansing could be certified by the religious leaders. And this was intentional on Jesus' part. He is sovereign. This was intentional on his part. And because we need to understand this, the purpose of this miracle was to change the world from inside the synagogue out. The purpose of this miracle was to change the world from inside the church out. That's why Jesus wants him to start there. He tells him, start with the synagogue, go, run, tell the priest, and offer the gift, abide by the law, offer the gift that Moses commanded, and that gift would have been an offering the offering prescribed back in Leviticus. But I want us to notice a very important word here in that verse, in this verse, and it's the word proof. Did you notice that? Did you catch that word? Proof. See, the leper was to do all of this as a proof. He was to go and perform a show and tell before the priest as a proof to them. And so we should be asking the question, a proof of what? What needed to be proved? Beloved, at the end of the day, this healing was proof 
that Christ was the long-awaited Messiah. And it was proof to the reality that the kingdom of God in and through Christ had come and broken into this world. It was proof that Jesus had power over all things. And it was proof that he was the one who came to heal and reconcile a sick people to himself. It was proof that Jesus had come and he changed everything. He came to redeem the unredeemable, to mend his people who were sick, lost, and broken. Beloved, this story, this this miracle is a living parable, a living sermon, for this leper represented Israel. And Christ, the great and compassionate physician, had come to bring complete healing to his people. But not just the Jew, but also the Gentile. For after Jesus healed this leper and sent him to the synagogue, he then turned. He fixed his gaze on the centurion's servant, which is another example of an outsider. In verses 5 through 13, this is not a coincidence. Christ came to rescue the lost, Jew and Gentile. He came to seek and save his bride, the church. And he healed this leper as a show and tell to display his glory and power over his people's deepest and greatest physical and spiritual sickness. And this miracle, along with the many others, were all means that pointed forward to the end of Christ's ministry, his death and resurrection, the climax of his ministry, that redemptive act that ultimately healed more than just the external, but the internal of all of God's people, Jew and Gentile, male, female, servant, and free. And now today, the church, globally and locally, is a witness, a proof of the beauty of Christ and his cleansing work of redemption to a lost and dying world. Jesus is our great physician, and he is glorious. Well, we should conclude. Uh, Returning to the question at the beginning of our time together, what is the solution to the astounding incompatibility between the imperfect and the perfect, the unholy and the holy, the unhealthy and the healthy, the sick and the well? It's Jesus. It's a Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. He has brought cleansing and redemption and healing. And in him, the unclean are made clean. The impure are made pure. The untransformed are transformed. The untouchable are made touchable. The unholy are made holy. The unrighteous are made righteous. And ultimately, Jesus, because of him, because of his life and his death and his resurrection, those who once cried, unclean, unclean, can now cry out, I am clean. I am clean and I am redeemed. And this is all to the glory and praise and honor of Jesus, the God-man who has brought reconciliation between God and man. He is the great physician. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for you. Jesus, we are thankful for you, our shepherd king. And we praise you for your provision and your compassion and your perfect love. 
And Lord, I ask that what we have not, you would continue to give us. That what we know not, that you would continue to teach us. And what we are not, that you would make us all to the glory and the praise and the honor of the Son. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.